Welcome into Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. Hannibal is getting ready for their big Memorial Day weekend where they have Twain on Main and some new things this year. And we'll find out which town has the best tasting water in Missouri. But we'll get started with the Missouri Veterans Commission saving America's heroes some serious cash by offering free will clinics. Elisa Nelson talks to Scotty Allen with the Missouri Veterans Commission, who says the new initiative has already racked up more than a million dollars in savings for veterans. Talk to me about what services and why. Yeah, well, the uh, the why is really uh, very, very quite simple. You know, I basically looked out there, saw there was a need, thought, hey, I can do this. Let's do it. <laughs> so went to the boss and got his approval, and and um, they were very enthusiastic about letting me get out, get out and start doing this. And really, I, I guess the motivation behind it was, you know, the Missouri Veterans Commission has seven um, veterans homes throughout the state, and oftentimes I see these families struggling to deal with the situation where their loved one has lost confidence and they have nothing in place to enable someone else to make the decisions for them and take care of them. And so that really got me thinking about here's a need that needs to be addressed. And and let's try to nip some of this in the bud because it is really stressful for uh, family members to have to try to deal with that situation. So, um, again, I thought, hey, I can do this. Let's do it. And so basically what we do is um, I travel throughout the state, reaching out to um, um, attorney friends throughout the state and setting up uh, will clinics and um, at these will mm-hmm. clinics veterans and their spouses can come in they get a uh, they can get a free will um, a simple trust um, we can do um, um, advanced directives um, health care power of attorneys financial power of attorney um, and we can also do uh, beneficiary designations if um, yeah if someone wants to come in we can basically get them a, a complete estate plan set up uh, they walk out the door with a complete product. It is signed, notarized, ready to go as soon as they walk out the door. That's fantastic, Scotty. Yeah. Do you know roughly how many uh, veterans at this point you've been able to help over the past year? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I brought in a little cheat sheet. Uh, we are up now to 630. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. I'm curious, do you know, I mean, these are a lot of really important services that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, What's like the average savings uh, that you're providing to veterans and their families for these types of services? Right. Yeah, that's one of the things we track as well. I I did a little research and I found the statewide average seems to be as cheap as 300 and as expensive as around 700, depending on, of course, where you're at. It's going to be more expensive in some of the larger metropolitan areas. And so we, we kind of uh, aim for that and say, okay, well, $500 seems to be the average cost. And so right now we're getting close to about $1.25 million that we've saved. Now, so are you doing these mainly then by will events, as, as you've called them? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I did a little breakdown just the other day of how the workload is 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 shaking out. And about half of it's being done solely by me out of my office in Jeff City. And then the other half is, is through these clinic events that we're holding throughout the state. Do you have any clinic events coming up? Yep, I sure do. I've got one on uh, May 11th in St. Robert. I've got one June 26th in Clayton. Um, June 29th in West Plains, 
and July 27th here in Jefferson City. And then I don't have concrete dates yet, but in October we will be in Springfield and in Kansas City. So those are um, coming up. And basically where we have these and when we have them is is a function of when I can get volunteers. And so, you know, I try not to wear my welcome out with people and, <laughs> and wear them out um, in, in terms of, you know, reaching out and asking for their help. So I, I try to space it out a little bit. Um, but the most uh, the areas where I've held the most events are in St. Louis, Springfield, because those are the two markets where I can I could pretty much do it every weekend there. I have so wow. many people that are willing to do it. OK, I see. Yeah. I was just going to ask um, roughly how many volunteers do you need for an event like this? You know, it really all depends on how big of an event we want to have. Um, to be completely honest, I've done some events where it was just me that went out and and, and satisfied the need. So I've, if I go out by myself, I can do around eight, nine people um, or eight, nine couples uh, in a day's uh, work. But. Um, I can accommodate up to five attorneys. And so if we can get five attorneys to staff an event, we can usually serve somewhere between 35 to 50 people. Okay. So, so um, the Missouri Veterans Commission um, office offers some free legal services to veterans and their families. They have will clinics around the state and some other efforts by appointment and that sort of thing. Um, healthcare power of attorney, power of attorney, complete estate plan, uh, simple trust, you know, all that stuff. And so this is available for veterans and their families. We have Scotty Allen with the Missouri Veterans Commission joining show me today to talk about this. I'm Elisa Nelson. So, okay, if if people are interested in some of these upcoming events, how can they find out more information? We uh, uh, advertise them uh, extensively on all of our social media platforms. So if you follow us on Facebook, um, Instagram, or Snapchat, uh, we, we do put the flyers out there. Um, but one kind of centralized location would be veterans benefits. That's all one word dot mo dot gov. Uh, we advertise them on our uh, website there as well. Veterans benefits dot mo dot gov. Yes. Do you have enough attorneys that help with this sort of like a will clinic, if you will? <laughs> yeah, I do have what I like to call my black holes in the state <laughs> where I just cannot seem to to get anybody to help me. Um, that uh, right now is in the north central region, like around Kirksville. I would love to get out there, um, but haven't been able to, to connect with anyone. Same with Hannibal. I would love to get into northeast Missouri. Haven't have, hadn't ha, had any luck there yet either. Um, and then around the lake, surprisingly, I haven't had any luck around uh, Lake of the Ozarks or, you know, that kind of south central region. Uh, West Plains being about as close or maybe Springfield, I guess, would be uh, another one that's generally in that area. But I've had a number of veterans from that area reach out to me. And so thankfully, they've been willing to make the road trip up to Jeff City and I've taken care of them out of my office. Okay, so. so it'd be good to have some attorneys in yeah. those areas um, if you were to have a, a future will clinic. Right. Um, okay, that's good to know. So a plug for really important work that the Missouri Veterans Commission does. 
talk to me about, so what kind of legal services do you not provide here? Yeah, that, that's a great question because um, probably one of the bigger requests that I receive is people asking me to set up trust arrangements in which they can protect their assets um, in the event that they need to go on Medicaid for long-term um, skilled nursing care. Unfortunately, that's, that is a highly specialized area, and I just, I lack the expertise to be able to do that. I just, I'm, you know, I, I would rather just tell people I can't do that as opposed to try to do it and, and not be able to do it correctly. So. Who do they need to reach out for something like that? Yeah, there are a number of great attorneys throughout the state that can do that for you. Of course, it will cost. Um, mm-hmm. But um, if, if people are having a, a, a difficult time locating someone in their area, they can reach out to me and I'll be happy to connect them with some some folks that I know in the region that can do that. And if you want more information about these Will Clinics, veteransbenefits.mo.gov. That is correct. Okay, and if they don't have uh, internet access or privy to the internet, what's the number to call? Yep, 573-522-4224. Once again, that's 573-522-4224. Scotty Allen with the Missouri Veterans Commission. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now, that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. 
The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today. It's time for the big reveal. Edgar Springs is home to this year's best tasting water in Missouri. And Cameron Connor talks with Howard Baker of the Missouri Rural Water Association just to find out how the best water is selected. Actually, uh, we we have this real complicated system. (laughs) We have to drink it and taste it. Uh, Initially, when we put out the call that we're getting ready for the taste test, everybody that wants to enter... Uh, sends a water sample to our office. And then at, while it's at the office, we we rotate every year a, a group of five or six people that actually go through the, the initial first taste test. And they look at it. They look to see if it, you know, how clear it is and how it tastes and how it smells. It's kind of the three big things. And out of that, that, that group will cut it down to the, the five finalists that will, that we, test for. And once those five finalists are determined, uh, generally in April, which is when we have our open house, uh, we will invite uh, distinguished guests to come in, and and they will actually be the final judges. Uh, And and that depends on every year. It could be, you know, we could have people from USDA. uh, We've had people from the Department of Natural Resources. So it's, it's that changes from year to year who the who those judges are, and then they they ultimately once again they take those five finalists and they look at the clarity of the water, the taste and the smell, and 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 but they rank uh, by points, and whoever has the highest points wins for that year. And uh, kind of one of the one of those things, taste is it, such a subjective deal that when you rotate people in and out, you never really know who is going to win. It just depends on their palate for that year. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with Howard Baker. He's the executive director of the Missouri Rural Water Association. We're talking about Missouri's best tasting water. It's a competition that's held annually to decide where in the state has it. And this year's winner is in Edgar Springs. It's public water supply district number one of Phelps County. The uh, I, I guess the one thing that comes to mind is before you get to the top five finalists, do you have an estimate on how many samples get sent in per public water supply district? <laughs> Generally, you know, we'll we'll have around oh, 15, 18 samples sent in to start with. Okay, gotcha. And I, I guess one of the the follow up questions that I have for this, and I guess I guess the follow up question that I have with that is, if it's the best tasting, and you're you're judging on clarity on taste, on if it has a smell or not. I'm assuming that also means that it's also some of the best quality water in Missouri too, right? Correct. Correct. Is how now the, uh, yep. one of the, one of the benefits of, of the winter is we do, we, we, it's all expense paid trip to go to DC. We pay for their flights, their rooms, their, their meals while they're there. Uh, and, and we encourage them to bring, you know, uh, two individuals, and like the operator or the mayor, somebody from the town to, to represent them up there at the at the uh, national. 
So it's a, it's kind of a and we also one of the things that we started doing this year is to, these winners will have a sign, a road sign that that we're making for them that'll actually can, they can put up at the city limits or city hall that that states that they have the best tasting water in Missouri for this year. Wow. Okay. And just to give the flowers where credit is due, this was practically one of the closest contests that you all have ever had. Correct. Wasn't there a second and third place choice that came in pretty close? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, my judge would have to tell you the numbers on that, and I don't know what those are. But yes, when, and, and, and quite honestly, once it gets down to these five, they, they, there's a very, very little margin between some of these. I mean, uh, because you know, you you're actually. You went through quite a process to get through that first elimination, and once you get down to those five, those are really, really high quality waters that uh, that that actually are pleasant and nice to drink. And that uh, and in this world, it's kind of a rare thing to have have something that everybody goes that that is really good water. Just out of curiosity, have you ever been a tester for this award before? I have been involved in the uh, the the initial testing. You know the, the the calling, so to speak, and um, yeah, there there are certain things. Uh, uh, chlorine, the actual overabundance of chlorine. Uh, if I like me, that doesn't bother me, but I don't think it should be a part of the best tasting water. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's something that's added to the water. So if I smell chlorine, I I, I kind of I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pass it. Uh, but that doesn't mean someone else would. So it it it, it kind of depends on how many. It, it's it's not real scientific, but it is. I can tell you that no matter what we do, who we get, there always seems to be the same group that rises to the top. It just it just because they're the bottles are all marked in a way that no one knows whose whose water is what, and then. Uh, but but it's kind of amazing if it's something that actually tastes good. It kind of tastes good to everybody, so it eventually gets there. In order to win these awards, you have to have, to your point, you have to have a very impressive source of water that that's you know circulating through taps and stuff like that. So for someone like the Public Water Supply District Number One in Phelps County that won this award this year, what how much effort goes into maintaining and making sure that that quality of water stays there? Well, uh, for, for the most part, what we've seen is that this winds up being a natural win for folks because this is generally always well water that wins that has not been treated in any way. And that, uh, for some reason, uh, that winds up being that there, there is no uh, taste or odor there that, uh, that's offensive. And it's just a naturally occurring thing. With that goes with a lot of responsibility when you start dealing with the uh, the operation of the system. I mean, even though it is well water, if you know there are things that uh, if you have holes in your in your column pipe, and I may be getting into stuff go down a rabbit hole you don't need to know about, but if there's holes that cause rust to form on the outside of your pipe, then you're going to start getting an iron taste in that water, and that's stuff that you, as a maintenance person, you would you would notice when that happens, and you need to get it repaired. Uh, but but for the most part, generally speaking. It's almost like a natural occurring wind, so to speak. 
It's just the, the our water just comes out of the ground, takes it good. <laughs> what about what's next after the, this gets determined? So okay. is, is there any other but, but, competition that it goes yeah. into for a national regard, or yeah. how does that work? Absolutely. The uh, after, after this happens and uh, we select the winner from our state, uh, in February, next February, we have a, a national rural water. We have a water rally where we go to Washington, D.C. We visit with the uh, legislators, you know, and concerns and stuff that we have going on in the water and wastewater world. But during that time is when we have the national taste test. So the winners of all the states uh, that are going to participate, they will send their top winners in. And then those get go through kind of the same process where there's a, a bigger panel that tastes them and reduces it down to a smaller number of, like, say, five. And then those five actually will get judged again by, again, people in D.C. Uh, we could have people from, from USDA up there. Uh, we could have people just legislators of, of, of just a myriad of people that could be involved in the, in the judging. Uh, we've had uh, people that are that are working in congressmen's offices that volunteer to come in and do the taste test. So we never really know who that's going to be till the following year when we start when they start rounding those folks up. And Missouri has actually came in uh, has won bronze twice. For the nation, okay, which one. to me is, is pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's more than pretty good. I mean, that, that means that Missouri has a reputation for having clean water, no matter what, and best tasting water. So that's mm. that's great. Do you happen to know right. just just by chance what what's nationally taking the cake more years or not, or do you have any idea? No, no, I would. Uh, you could actually contact National Rural Water in Duncan, Oklahoma, and they would give that to you. National Rural Water in Duncan, Oklahoma. I, I, I'm just fascinated by by this award. I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic event. So the this has been Howard Baker. He is the executive director of the Missouri Rural Water Association. We've been talking about the this year's winner for the best tasting water in Missouri, which happened to be in Edgar Springs, which is public water district number one of Phelps County. Howard, thank you very much for joining us today on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. All right. Thank you. And if you just caught into this interview late or you want to learn more, make sure to search Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri, wherever you get your podcasts. Show Me Today. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. 
And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No, thanks. I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No. But you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back to Show Me Today. I'm Bill Pollack. Popular science fiction and short story writer Alex Weinstein has become a frequent visitor to Missouri as his stories have become streaming hits. He talks with Ashley Bird about his recent success and what brings him to the Show Me State. The Unbound Book Festival is the real, you know, draw there that has uh, I've been invited to teach and speak there a number of times, as well as Fong Nguyen. Uh, the author and and my editor back in the day and a good friend. Uh, so I've been out quite a number of times to Missouri. And most recently, uh, you were able to talk about lots of things about your books. The Children of the New World short stories have become a bestseller and best books of the year in many, many different uh, places. New York Times, Google, lots of awards and a short story that was a Showtime film titled After Yang. Now, that is quite 
quite a jump, a short story that becomes a film that's a, a longer format. Tell us how that happened. You know, my agent had given the collection to a producer to read, and she fell in love with the story and thought it would be a perfect match for Koganada, who she was working with. And Koganada fell in love with the story. And so then that began, began our friendship and our discussion about turning the story into a film and, and then uh, subsequently the optioning of and uh that was really where it started. Then Koganada came out to visit and we had conversations about it. And this was right around COVID. Then he went back and uh, really started writing and producing it during well, maybe right before COVID. Um, and then the film came out and it was a you know dream come true for me as an author. Right. It has some big names in it. And tell us how it, it sort of grows so the short story, just to summarize it quickly, is about a near future world where people can purchase robots, uh, these very lifelike robots to take care of their children. And one of these robots is Yang, and he breaks down. And in the breaking down, the family realizes how much they've actually come to see this older brother robot as their own son and part of the family. And... The story itself is pretty contained. It really deals with the father trying to get this robot fixed and slowly but surely realizing that he he loves the robot and that it was such a large part of his life as well as his daughters who he had bought it for. The movie takes that and then develops it even further. It adds this uh, element that uh, Yang can record moments of life, uh, just a couple snippets and try to use that to figure out how to become more human. It's not exactly clear how or why Yang is recording this, except that one gets a sense that he's trying to understand um, what it means to be alive, what it means to love, what are important moments to him. And so that theme that's in the short story really gets deepened with this element that Koganada added, which is this memory bank. For those who haven't read this book, uh, tell us more about what topics you cover. I was looking at where we were headed or where we are headed, I think, with our, our technology. Kind of a world that's gone slightly, if not wildly, technologically awry. So you have things like uh, parents meeting online, falling in love, and then having babies that exist completely online, solely in the virtual world and uh so parents have to kind of protect these virtual babies and these kids from getting viruses and uh against hackers and things like that uh there's a world where and i thought this was again near future is totally speculative but a world where everybody was locked inside their houses and afraid to go out uh which i had written pre-pandemic and in that world everyone lives online you know so people are wearing kind of virtual reality glasses and teaching online and going to school online and uh, doing drugs that are completely electronic online. And the older son here has an urge to go outside just to sort of see what the world is, which is, is very frightening to the parents. So there's dating stories. There's a second ice age that shows up and people are living in single decker igloos with uh, rich people that are living in, in double decker igloos and using up all the all the wood and the materials. So it's kind of wonky reality stories, 
slightly tongue-in-cheek where I tend to be looking at uh, the human elements and the problems and the sociological problems that we all deal with right here now in this reality. You remind me a little bit of a mix of George Orwell and Ray Bradbury that science fiction and your stories become a little close to science fact. You know, that, that you said you wrote that story before the pandemic. That's one of my favorite stories in the book because it's all it ends up a beauty of a bike ride, basically. And I don't want to give yeah. too much away, but these are almost science facts that are aggravating some real world problems. Right. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I, when I write these, I think of them as as warnings, you know, or at least that's how I thought of them. And slowly but surely, the world catches up with these warnings that I was writing, you know, and I make it into reality. You know, and like the, my second collection, I have holographic parents that are used to replace uh, lost loved ones. And that seemed crazy to me. And then meanwhile, now we have Whitney Houston's hologram out there selling concert tickets and people connecting with AI to deal with lost loved ones. And so, you know, it's that I think I write that closely into the near future that a lot of the things that I'm dreaming up and that I consider to be speculative end up actually just being prophetic. You know, they're just really kind of telecasting where we're headed. Um, and that's both eerie to me and, you know, slightly disconcerting because, again, I, I I think the underlying moral is please let us not continue to lose ourselves in this cybernetic electronic future. But it's also, I think, the humor where the humor comes, because it is just making fun of ourselves or myself of where we find ourselves right now with our technological addictions and our bumbling uses of online dating and whatever it may be. Your newest book is Universal Love. We're talking to Alex Weinstein, who is a prolific writer. You're listening to Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Universal Love is the newest book. It's also short stories. Um, do you like to stay in that genre, or are you thinking about writing longer? I love short stories. Um, I am actually working on two novels uh, right now, and it, it seems to be they're very long novels. They, you know, it seems that I either write short or I write kind of 600 page novels. So there, so far there hasn't been too much middle ground between those two. Um, but I love the short story form. I mean, I think that's where in some ways I, I, I have the most fun in that because there's, it's such a nice tight container that you can work with and, um, every line matters and, uh, you really get to shape just kind of one glimpse or a snapshot of life. I, I like that feeling. Uh, the beauty of the novel, on the other hand, is that you can put so many ideas and it can grow and grow. Um, and that's also its danger. You know, that you have to then the more conflicts, the more stories, the more characters and plot lines you have in there, the more you then need to tie up all of those loose ends as you go along. When you teach, and I know that you work with writers also, is that correct? And you also do some teaching? I do, yeah. I've been a, a teacher for a long time. How, what do you coach folks when it comes to imagination and just completely, you know, tapping into that? The, one of the fundamental teachings that I have is to allow ourselves to make a mess when we write. Uh, I think there's a lot of fear for young writers or new writers who sit down and face the blank page. It's almost that cliche that we've seen in movies about the, the blank page and the typewriter. Um, and I really urge students, and I do this myself, just to write, to kind of do a free write, set a timer, 
five minutes, begin writing. The only rule is you're not allowed to stop and uh, see what your subconscious creates in those five minutes. And it's not all going to be good. A lot of it will be messy. But that practice then allows, I, I think, over time, if you keep coming back to that, you do maybe five, 15 minutes a day just to start out. Your own mind, our own minds will begin to go into a bit of a dream state. Um, when we dream, we dream up wild, imaginative things. And the same can happen when we're awake. It's just a matter of giving the license to that. And that comes when we release the pressure of having to produce brilliance, right, or having to have every word be perfect. Uh, I'm much more for saying play around, try things out. Uh, don't worry if it makes sense. Don't worry about the end product yet. Really just be in the artistic process and the flow. Then from there, we can build onto things like character and plot structure and dialogue. Uh, but first, we need the materials. Alex, have you ever tapped into that subconscious uh, as you were going through this process and surprised yourself? All the time. All the time. That's, in fact, part of how I know that a piece is successful is that it seems to have gotten away from me and I'm just kind of catching up. I write by hand. So it's like catching up with the uh, the pen, with the ink. You know, I'm like right behind that that wild beast, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, this this incredible imaginative creature that I'm trying to catch with the pen is what it feels like. That, you know, at those moments when I let go of trying to create a perfectly outlined plot or something like that, the characters begin to then become alive on the page, the story changes, and lo and behold, I'm writing about something that I didn't yet realize that I knew how to write about. I didn't yet know I was ready to write about it. And I say that because even though I'm working about with speculative futures and wild landscapes, they're always metaphors for things that I'm going through, like parenthood or falling in love or a breakup or, um, yeah, heartbreak, sorrow, joys. I'm, the stories are really parables about that. And so for me, being able to create that magical world lets me get into these emotions I didn't know I was ready to write about until they now are showing up on the page as a surprise to me. Well, I hope you continue to surprise yourself and surprise us. Alex Weinstein, thank you for your time and for being with us on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so accident avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's, it's our roads. It's, it's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Hi, Grandma. Can Nina come over for dinner? Sure. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! If anyone ever does, I want you to say, no, I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. I promise, Grandma. They really do hear you. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. 
It's our roads. It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Women hear a lot about self-care these days. Advice on ways to relax, exercise, eat healthy, and more. Those are all great. But one of the most important self-care steps we can take is making sure we're financially secure later in life. That means saving money for retirement. It's never too late to start. And it's the kind of self-care that brings peace of mind that lasts. For small steps you can take to save for retirement, visit wesaysaveit.org. That's WeSaySaveIt.org, a message from AARP and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Every Memorial Day weekend, Hannibal hosts the Twain on Main Festival, and some new things are planned this year. Megan Rapp with the Hannibal Convention and Visitors Bureau tells Cameron Connor Moore. The Twain on Main Festival, um, of course, is in historic uh, downtown Hannibal. That's where Mark Twain, uh, known back then as Sam Clement, spent his boyhood, uh, his formative years, and then so many of his beloved books are based on um, his experiences in Hannibal. So, this year, uh, Toyota Maine is back. It's always over Memorial Day weekend. And, um, it's the theme for Toyota Maine this year is, uh, based on Mark Twain's book, Roughing It. So it was originally published, uh, 1872. And it's, it's kind of a travelogue of his adventures in the Wild West. And so it's, uh, definitely a, a Wild West theme. Um, tons of activities kind of, uh, go, you know, around that, around that theme and, uh, Lots of pop-up, uh, over 100 pop-up vendors. Of course, our downtown always has our great shops and restaurants. So there's really going to be something for just about anybody. Okay, perfect. And let's see here, just to double check, when uh, when is this going to be held this year? So it's always over uh, Memorial Day weekend, and the uh, entertainment will start um, on Saturday, and it will go through Sunday. So Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be a full uh, calendar of activities. Um, for example, Saturday at, at 10 a.m., the Missouri Wild Bunch, which are uh, reenactors, um, will we'll do a reenactment down on Main Street. Uh, that's throughout the festival. Um, you know, we've got the Showgirl Saloon. We've got, um, you know, Professor Farquhar, who does all kinds of exciting, you know, Wild West snake oil magic tricks and um, music, entertainment. Um, again, over 100 um, pop-up vendors selling a variety of different things. Um, it's it's going to be a great time. You actually just dovetailed into my next question because that can be such <laughs> an important thing of festivals is the vendors. And if I'm not mistaken, your vendors list is completely full this year, correct? Yes, it is completely full. Um, you know, the uh, the vendors are all along Main Street, so you have the opportunity to both go into, um, you know, our, our great stores and then check out the vendors. I mean, you know, it's arts and crafts. It's pretty much anything and everything that you can think of. Um, 
You know, there's there's handcrafted sodas, there's Groovy Great Barbecue. Of course, it's the Twain on Main Festival, so there's got to be storytelling by Mark Twain. That's going to be going on. Um, you know, there's going to be games for the kids with uh, with Tom Sawyer and Becky Thatcher, two of Mark Twain's most beloved characters. So the kids will have a chance to play some old-fashioned games with uh, with Tom and Becky. Um, you know, it's just going to be a a great time. All right, and for those of you that are just now tuning in, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with Megan Rapp. She is the director of the Hannibal Convention and Visitors Bureau. We're talking about the Twain on Main, which is a fantastic festival. This is going to be held in the historic downtown or in historic downtown Hannibal, and it will be it's always held every single year during the Memorial Day weekend. Megan, how many of these festivals have you been a part of? Oh gosh. Um well, I've I've been uh with the CVB uh Longer than I'd like to admit, Cameron. So I've been there since uh, since the beginning. <laughs> you know, we uh, of course during during COVID, uh, you know, had a had a had a year off or so. But this has been, um, you know, this has been going on for years now. And every year, it just it just keeps getting better and better. Um, you know, the the free entertainment. Um, you know, like I said, the vendors, the vendors this year especially are going to be, um, you know, quite the quite the draw. Um, the uh, Historic Hannibal Marketing Council actually puts on this festival, and um, and they were able to work in collaboration with the uh, Missouri Division of Tourism, Missouri Humanities Council um, this year. So the the entertainment, uh, the strolling musicians, it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. Okay, and that's that's such a special thing too because you've had such an important role in orchestrating so much of this happening. I guess to get your personal perspective on it, you know, what are the things that stick out to you? Every year, maybe it's a vendor that you're always looking forward to coming back, or an event that always takes place. What's your favorite part? Well, I personally love the things that they do for the kids. Um, you know, they will have um, they'll they'll deputize the kids. They'll give them sheriff's badges, and then there'll be wanted posters throughout the uh, throughout the festival. And those, of course, are locals, and they're dressed up. Uh, in you know in wild west uh, in wild west gear and so then if they if the kids that have been deputized if they catch them then they get take them to jail and uh, you know they get they get a you know reward for finding for finding the uh, for finding the um, the person on the wanted poster um, you know they have um, lasso college your cowboy college so you learn how to how to um, do do a lasso um, it's just it's so much fun and of course adults can take can take place to uh, can take participate too but it's just it's so much fun to have the have the kids do all of these activities and just you know have a great family time so i i think that's that's my favorite is when they deputize the kiddos and then make sure that all of the all the people on the wanted posters are brought to justice oh yes okay i love that you said the adult involvement too because that was just going to be my next thing at a curiosity have you been deputized or been arrested before at this festival <laughs> I, I, I have not. I have not. And um, and I'm horrible at um, trying to lasso anything. <laughs> Say, okay, I don't blame you. I don't think I can lasso I, anything either. I try. I tried it and, and failed and failed miserably, you know, and it's just it's so much fun. The, um, you know, it, it's easy to get around the festival because they've got these great, you know, the old the old timey, uh, you know, food and drink this way. Cowboy College this way on the on the wooden post. You know, um, it's it's just it's so much fun. And um, like like I said, just like a step back onto the old Wild West. And, you know, you got Mark Twain telling stories. You've got strolling musicians, um, you know, all the vendors, all the great food and drink. And, um, yeah, just something going on the entire day. So and then, of course, it's all free. So you get to come down and enjoy enjoy uh, all there is to offer. 
all f- or free entry is always something that I think entices so many people around because it's a great way that you can, you know, explore and kind of be, I guess, the ultimate window shopper, I guess, is a lot of ways with like all, all of the vendors there and all of the experiences and everything like that. How about from the vendor's point of view, Megan, is there a vendor, whether it's merchandise or food that you always look forward to it coming back every year? Oh, gosh, it's hard to pick just one. Um, I, uh, there's some great barbecue down there. Um, oh, man, there, there are these there are these really cute um, birdhouses that, uh, that somebody makes. Um, there's leather. There's leather works a lot of times, which are really unique. Just some of the, the things that are, um, you know, that you don't see every day, you know, that, that are made by, by these artists and artisans from around the area. And the fact that they keep coming back every year um, shows, you know, that that people enjoy them, and obviously they must be, you know, they must be selling in order to in order to want to return. So it's it's great to see the the you know the ones that that you know and love, and then every once in a while you get you get the new ones. So it's always something different. Okay, great. And the wrap up question that I'll give you, Megan, is for anyone out here that's listening to this interview that maybe they'll want to go up and brush up on it again, or they want to get more information about it, or maybe contact you or your staff or anyone about the event, what's a good website or any sort of good information that people can have in order to receive that? Yeah, 100%. So our website is visithannibal.com, and it's really easy. You just event, click on events and festivals, and you'll see 20 on May. Um, you can also give us a call um, toll-free at 1-COM-AND-HUCK. Um, yes, we did that on purpose. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, you can, like I said, give us a call, visit our website. Uh, if you have any questions, um, you know, that's what we're here for. Uh, we want to make sure everybody, uh, you know, knows where to park, knows what Twain on Main's all about. Um, you know, dressing up is, uh, is encouraged, but not required. So if you feel like getting out your Western gear and, and coming on down, then you're more than welcome to do that too. So visit Hannibal.com and then just going to our, our calendar events to get you all the information you need. All right, Director of the Hannibal Convention and Visitors Bureau, Megan Rapp. We've been talking about the Twain on Main Festival that occurs every Memorial Day weekend. So this year it'll be 27th through the 28th here on that weekend. Megan, once again, thank you so much for your time here on for joining us on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Well, thank you so much for, for having me and uh, just get, helping us get the word out about what's going to be a fantastic weekend. Oh, I bet it will. And if you've tuned in late or want to hear more, make sure to search Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri, wherever you get your podcast. Show me today. A Shiro's work is never done. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. We're so grateful for all you do. Now it's time to care for yourself and save a little more for retirement. A free three-minute online check can give you the personalized tips you need to boost your retirement savings now. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? (gasps) Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit TalkAboutVaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. As a truck driver, I've learned how important road safety is. I know that large trucks need more time and room to stop. That's why I always hang back and follow other vehicles at a safe distance. 
Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, try to remember to always give trucks extra space when you merge in front of them. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. Mm -hmm. 